Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is brought to you by Masters of Photography, online masterclasses with the greatest photographers in the world. We'll have a special offer for you on Masters of Photography courses later in the show. Hello out there in Radio Land. Thanks for giving us another half hour of your attention. We know your attention is valuable. Thanks for joining us. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't taken the time to rate the podcast on iTunes or if you use the Overcast app, there's that little star you can tap. Please go rate it, write a great review. And, you know, I've got an idea. Let's do like a pyramid scheme. Everyone tell two friends of yours who are photographers, and each one of them is going to tell two friends of theirs to check out the podcast. And it'll be friends all the way down because it's really difficult for a, let's be honest, an amateur podcast to break through in the podcast landscape these days. Podcasting is now dominated by all these professional public radio and Gimlet stuff and all these great podcasts that iTunes highlights. But people like us, we don't get much mentioned. So tell all your friends. Jeff will be happy. I'll be happy. Our producer, Doug, will be happy. So this week, we want to talk about a subject that is dear to our hearts, iCloud Photo Library. A listener wrote in and asked if we could talk about this, explain how it works, what are the pros, what are the cons, what are the tricks to avoid. Jeff, you use iCloud Photo Library, or you're sort of in the Adobe Industrial Complex, so you use their cloud service, don't you? Well, I primarily use Adobe uh, Creative Cloud with Lightroom, but I write about all of this, as do you. And so, um, yes, I use iCloud Photo Library. It is the default option for so many people, uh, you know, ourselves included. And we can get into this in more detail, but it's not bad. It's not like the sort of hobbled default option. When I was writing my Take Control of Digital Photos book, as a quick aside, I included Windows information in the most recent version. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to use the Microsoft Photos app as the sort of comparative default option. And I was stunned that, you know, it's 2018 and it's kind of a piece of crap. Like it doesn't do hardly anything compared to photos. I mean, photos looks like a a massively advanced photo editing library management tool compared to the one on Windows. So I think a lot of people skip over that because they're like, okay, well, this this is just the thing that Apple included, and therefore it probably doesn't do very much because I need to do Lightroom or Photoshop or Luminar or, you know, all of these others. Um, Surprisingly, it can do quite a lot. Well, we're not going to really talk about the Photos app so much today, and we'll do an episode about that another time, because as you say, the Photos app manages your library, and it's also quite a powerful photo editing tool. But we are going to talk about the actual storage. Now, I've never used that Windows Photo app, so I don't know how bad it is. Don't. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I think a lot of people on Windows just throw their photos into a folder and look at them in the Windows Explorer, because you do have a lot of viewing options like that. Right, right, exactly. So iCloud Photo Library, you need to use the Photos app in order to to make it all work. And it's very much an Apple thing, which means Apple says, we know how to take care of this for you. We're going to handle a lot of the details. You don't need to worry about where your photos are stored or managing them at all on disk. And you just have to sort of trust us, which sometimes works. Sometimes doesn't. Sometimes can be yeah. frustrating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's an interesting parallel with iTunes, and, and people who have followed my writing for years know that I've written a lot about iTunes, and I 
record another podcast where I talk about digital music. It's called The Next Track. There'll be a link in the show notes, of course. Um, there are there is a subset of iTunes users who want to control everything. They want to make sure that every file that iTunes manages is in a specific location. And I think a lot of these users come from Windows, and they're used to the time when, in order to put music on an MP3 player, they would have to drag folders onto a physical device that was connected to their computer. Whereas iTunes does this automatically. And, and I think this is an interesting parallel with photos, because while with iTunes, you can right-click or control-click on a file and have it show in the Finder or the Windows Explorer, so you can access that music file and see what folder it's in, you can't even do that with photos. The photos library looks like a big file to people who don't know, people like us, who know that you can right-click and show package contents and look inside it. And warning, please don't do this at home, because if you change anything in that photos library, it will be corrupted, it will not load, which means you better have a backup at all times of your photos library. Yeah, it it can be a big mess because photos is it, it's creating thumbnails and it's storing things with incomprehensible file names. If you know where to look, you can pull out your originals, but even then, like just don't bother. So this brings us then to the the cloud component. I mean, should we back up and say like like why even turn on iCloud Photo Library? Yes, why use the cloud? Other than just because like it's the cloud and the cloud is everything and every everything has to be a cloud thing these days, right? Okay, so one thing I like to remind people is that the cloud is just someone else's computer. What? Yes. There is no Santa Cloud. <laughs> the cloud is just a computer and it's in Apple's data center or Amazon's data center. Most internet services run on Amazon web services. That's that company that you buy books and dog food and diapers from, they actually make so much more money off their web services than their retail sales. Dropbox has their own data centers, but they use Amazon. Any other of these cloud services, anyone that's storing data, they're all going to use Amazon. Apple's a little bit different. They have their own data centers, but they do fall back on other servers sometimes when they're moving data from one place to another. But the cloud is just someone else's computer. It can break, it can go down, it can be slow, it can be disrupted. The thing about iCloud Photo Libraries, of course, this is integrated into the iPhone, and that's where most people think of it. You shoot a picture with your iPhone, you want to get it someplace else, and the cloud lets you sync it to your other devices, whether it's a computer, whether it's an iPad. It lets you share it with people in many ways. And a quick warning... While your photos may be on your iPhone and in the cloud, that cloud is not a backup. Yeah, we definitely need to hit hit backup um, probably toward the end because we want to, you know, just reinforce backup, 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 because we will say that until the end of time. Um, backup, 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 backup. Yes. But also, it's important to point out that despite everything that Kirk just said, you don't need to think about where all those files are because the idea is you take a picture on your phone and it gets stored on the phone and it gets uploaded to iCloud and then it just magically appears on your Mac. That's the whole point of iCloud Photo Library is so that you don't have to think about it. In fact, I almost wonder how many listeners just sort of assume that that's how everything works and how many remember that if you took a picture on your iPhone and you wanted to put it on your Mac, you had to connect with a cable and do the import process, which is what we do with most cameras. And so the iCloud photo library, 
the you know the chief advantage there is your photos are on all of your devices without you having to do anything and that includes all your photos your entire library can be on a phone how does that work well when you think about it as you say it is somewhat I don't like the word magical. Apple uses that too often for things that are just sort of physics and electronics. It It is quite clever. It is impressive. It works very well. Sometimes it's a bit of a lag when I take a photo on my iPhone for it to get to my Mac. I have Victorian internet here, so it's not that fast. But it's one of the most reliable cloud services that Apple runs, I think. It's rarely down, whereas email or, or iMessages can be down for a while. And... The, the photo just goes into this sort of hazy bit of humidity in the air and disappears and you don't know where it is and then it comes back and there is something something quite impressive about it. Astonishing, impressive, astonishing, yes. So the first thing to remember, though, is that if you want to use iCloud Photo Library, you need to turn it on. It is not on by default. So if you go to a, if you're new to an iPhone, you're getting your first iPhone, you go to settings and you tap on your name at the top and you'll see all these different settings for mail and contacts and calendars. And one of them is for photos and you want to turn it on. But there is a very special setting that means that you can take all kinds of photos and you can actually have more photos on your device than your device can hold. This is actually, I think, maybe my favorite part of iCloud Photo Library. The option, I believe, is called Optimize Storage on this device. And what it's doing is it's being smart about managing your storage, because obviously, even if you get the highest capacity iPhone or iPad, you're going to run out of space. As we know, photos take up a lot of space and you don't need all of your your old photos on there. And so what iCloud Photo Library does and, and the Photos app together, what they do is they basically uh, delete the photos on your phone that you don't need. They delete them? I know. I know. It sounds crazy. They delete them. However, they leave a little uh, small, low-resolution thumbnail in its place. So you always know what your photos are. And when you run across one of those and want to view it, it automatically downloads the original from the cloud so that you can then edit or share or or what have you. So it's very much on demand, which is great, except for the times when it isn't, which we can get into after the break. But you don't have to think about freeing up storage on your device, which I think was one of the main problems that people would run into because they'd be like, my phone is full. I've taken too many pictures. Now I need to delete my pictures or I need to offload my pictures. And it, it, you know, if you've run into that, turn on iCloud Photo Library and it'll probably solve most of your storage issues if you take a lot of photos. You know, it's funny. Not many years ago, people were buying iPhones for storage for their music because they had music files. It took up, I don't know, five or 10 gigabytes and, and they had eight gigabyte iPhones and then 16. But now that people use the cloud for music, they end up having a lot of photos on their devices. It's also worth noting that if you're just taking photos with your iPhone, these days they're about, what, two or three megabytes each with the new compression format that they use. You could take tens of thousands of photos and they won't fill up a 64 gigabyte iPhone. But if, like us, you have, air quotes, real cameras, my Fuji X-Pro2, when I shoot RAW, the RAW files are about 50 megabytes and the JPEGs are 10, 15 megabytes. And if I put those in my photo library, that takes up an awful lot of space. 
that's going into the cloud. It won't necessarily come down to my device, as you just said, but if I do want to download one of those files, I can get it from the cloud. This is a really good point because we think of the iPhone and the camera and just photos that the iPhone is shooting, but this counts for all of your photos. So whether you've imported them into your Mac and, and they get synced to the phone, or if you uh, import them into your iPad and then they, they then get synced to the Mac and the phone. So it's, it's all your photos. It's not just the ones taken by the iPhone camera. Okay, we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit more about iCloud Photo Library and particular some of the gotchas that you need to think about. Masters of Photography is a unique online learning platform that brings together some of the world's most acclaimed photographers, the masters. You can enjoy an unprecedented insight into the way these photographers work during intimate lessons that capture their knowledge, ethos, and philosophy. I've taken the Masters of Photography course with Joel Myrowitz, one of my favorite photographers, and I was impressed by his passion for photography and his desire to transmit his knowledge to others. With more than five hours of video and 34 lessons, Joel Morowitz discusses technique, inspiration, and his career, and gives some practical tips about shooting in the street, taking portraits, and even still life photography. I strongly recommend this course with Joel Morowitz, and Masters of Photography has a special offer for photoactive listeners. Get 5% off any course with the code photoactive. Go to mastersof.photography and enter the coupon code photoactive, or use the link in our show notes. That's mastersof.photography. I really enjoyed this course, and I think you will too. We were talking about how iCloud Photo Library optimizes the photos on your device. I just want to make a quick mention of something. If you do use a Mac, no matter what you're doing, tell photos on the Mac to keep all the original photos, because that will be your backup. The cloud isn't a backup, and we'll come back to the backup in a bit. You don't need to do this on your iPhone or your iPad, unless you're in a business where you're taking photos and you need the originals. Maybe you're showing real estate and you need to have all the photos on your iPad and you'll know what that is if you need to do that. That also comes into play if you do not have very good internet access or you're outside of internet range because, you know, it's it's great when when I'm at home on a relatively fast cable connection, I can download those images pretty quickly. So it's fairly seamless. There's not much of a lag between bringing up a photo and getting the original so that I can work with it. But if you are on a really limited connection, that can be sort of a painful wait to, for that to happen. Yeah, there's one problem with iCloud photo libraries that you can't choose to remove photos from the library. So let's say you've got a thousand photos and you know that you don't need half of them. It's only the iPhone or the iPad that decides what to remove. It's the ones you haven't looked at in a while when you run out of space. You can't just say, I want to delete all these photos and keep those thumbnails and be able to access them later. There's not even a button or a switch to say, delete everything on my iPhone and just leave the thumbnails. I think the, I guess the only way you could do that would be to turn off iCloud Photo Library and turn it back on again. But I found that I've had to do that for troubleshooting and it's very painful, uploading and downloading photos. So before the break, I mentioned gotchas. There are two gotchas you need to worry about. The first is your mobile data plan. You probably don't want your photos uploading and downloading when you're not on Wi-Fi. Again, if they're just iPhone photos that are two or three megabytes, it's not that much of a problem. But if you're taking photos with a camera that shoots raw, putting them into an iPad, you don't want to be using cellular access to get them up into the cloud, unless this is your way of backing them up. Let's say you're out camping someplace and you happen to have cellular coverage, 
and you want to have a backup of your photos, you might want to do that. But this can take up a lot of bandwidth on your cellular plan. The second thing is storage space. And, you know, a lot of us people who write about Apple, we've been railing for years that your iCloud account comes with five gigabytes of free storage. Ooh, five whole gigabytes. Yes, I have an iMac on my desk. I have a MacBook Pro on my desk. I have an iPhone on my desk, and I have an iPad upstairs, and I still only get five gigabytes. This is just the way it is. Now, for a buck a month, you can get 50 gigabytes. I've recently gone past 50 gigabytes, and now I'm paying, is it $3 a month to get 200 gigabytes? So... This can end up being quite expensive over time. I believe one terabyte is $10 a month, which is comparable to what you'd pay with Dropbox or even Adobe's Creative Cloud. Although with Adobe, you also get the software for that price, mm -hmm. I think, right? Right. So you need to keep that in mind. If you're shooting raw and you're uploading all the photos to the cloud, then you're filling up your storage. And if, like me, you have Victorian internet, you may be sending dozens of gigabytes after a long photo shoot because you've just dumped them all into the Photos app. Now, some time ago, I mentioned my workflow is to take my photos from an SD card, put them in a folder, examine them, and then choose the ones I want to put in the photo app. And, and in part, this is because of my internet speed and the cloud storage. So if you go out and shoot 100 photos over the weekend, you might not want to dump them into the Photos app right away. Kirk mentioned in a snapshot uh, recently that he uses a utility called Spect, which helps you go through those so that you're not just doing it in the Finder. Uh, I also wrote a review of some similar utilities for Macworld that I'll put in the show notes. That adds an extra step, but for a lot of people, it's absolutely worth it. And, you know, we take a lot of pictures. That's that's the great thing about digital. You can fire off 100 shots of something. Do you really need all that? If you have plenty of bandwidth, you have plenty of storage space, it's not a big deal. The convenience is fantastic. But keep that in mind because you don't really need all that. Imagine sort of scrolling through 100 very similar shots on your iPad or your iPhone. That can also be an issue. One thing I would love to see in photos is something similar to iTunes when you sync an iOS device. You choose what gets synced. Let's say you create a photo album of things you don't want to sync or you do want to sync or a smart album. I don't want to sync any of my raw files. I only want to sync the JPEGs. I would like to have that choice, and you don't have that. So everything has to go up into the cloud. And, and to me, that's a limitation of Photos as an app because it means I have to split this workflow into two parts. This is actually probably the, the number one thing that frustrates me the most about uh, Photos and iCloud Photo Library. And again, here's another pointer. I, I wrote an article about the Photos app in iOS 12 for tidbits. And I sort of went on a little extended rant there. And the problem is this. There's not very much transparency in what Photos is doing. There isn't even a switch in the Photos app to force a sync with the iCloud photo library, which can be really frustrating when you have taken a shot or you've imported something, you need it on another device. You know it's coming, but sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And it's that sort of thing. The only control that you have is you can, you can pause the syncing and then restart it. But even then, you don't really know. There needs to be just a little bit more manual control that Apple doesn't want you to see because they don't want to confuse people. And that's frustrating. So like you, I'm often writing articles where I take screenshots on my devices. And I've given up waiting for iCloud Photo Library. I take a screenshot. I use AirDrop to send it from my iPhone or my iPad to my Mac because it just takes too long. You know, if you have multiple devices in your house, 
Dropbox knows they're on a local network, so it'll sync files from one device to the other without going through the cloud. But photos can't do that. And, and I find that a little bit disappointing. So everything has to go up and everything has to come back down, even though your devices may not be actually downloading the original files. It may only be downloading the thumbnails, but everything has to go through Apple servers and that makes it too slow. I understand the reasoning behind it because basically the the server version, like that's the canonical version of your library. And, and then it populates and makes changes based on that. Um, and, and also we're talking about sort of file management really at this point, but we should also point out that when you are editing photos, one of the great, great, great things about iCloud Photo Library is you make an edit on your phone and it's changed very quickly on all of your devices. So, you know, you set something to black and white, it doesn't have to re-upload the image. It just basically sends a little flag, a little text flag that says, hey, this is now using this preset or this, this adjustment. And that's really nice. Right. And that's something that we need to talk about briefly because we're running out of time. One of the great things about this whole system is that your photos are stored. As you say, the, the cloud is the canonical photo library, even if you keep all the originals on your Mac, which I think everyone should. But the original photo is stored and the edits you make are stored in a separate file. And this is good for two reasons. One, as you said, you can make an edit on your iPhone and it'll show up on your iPad and your Mac. But also because you can always export the original of a photo that you've shot from your Mac. So if you go to the Photos app and select a photo, click the File menu, choose Export, and then Export Unmodified Original, and you'll get the original uncropped, unedited, no filters, nothing like that. So your original photos are always saved and they'll never be lost. And the edits that are made are what we call non-destructive edits. So you can always get that original, but you can also get the edited version. Now, when you do want to export photos from your photos library, here's something interesting that a lot of people don't know. If you drag a photo from the Photos app on your Mac, drag it to the Finder, you'll get a photo. It's going to be a few megabytes. But if you choose File, Export, Export One Photo, the photo is going to be much larger. It's a higher quality. It's a lower level of JPEG compression. Sometimes it's as much as three or four times larger. So if you want a better quality photo, don't drag it, but export it. Now, I can tell from the look on Jeff's face that he did not know that. I did not know that. That's really cool. Do some experiments, yeah. Also, one thing to point out that a friend of mine ran into this. Let's say you shoot uh, with your iPhone and it gets saved as a, a HEIC file, which is the, the new compression format. If you export it or share it, say, from the phone, that will probably get turned into a JPEG because it's going to make things the most compatible for other other systems to see. However, when you're using iCloud Photo Library, those original file formats sync all the way around. So you don't need to do any sort of conversion. It's only when you are specifically sharing or dragging out, even like, like, like trying to send something from your phone via AirDrop, one of those I believe gets turned into a JPEG instead of keeping the HEIC format. If you need to work with HEIC files, a quick shout out, full disclosure, I work for this company, but there's a free app from iMazing called iMazing HEIC Converter that will convert HEIC files to JPEGs. And if you have these files and you need to share them with people on Windows, for example, or with older Macs, this is a great way to do it. It's a drag and drop app. I'll have a link in the show notes. Just to follow up, as Jeff was talking, I did an experiment with two photos of Titus the cat. 
the one that I dragged from the photos library was just over two megabytes. And the one that I exported was about seven megabytes. Depending on the size of your photo, these were cropped square and they were actually iPhone photos. Depending on your photos, what the originals were, how they're cropped and all that, they can be larger than that. Okay. Before we get to the end, we got to hit the backup issue. You mean you have to back things up as well as putting them in the cloud? But I paid for all that cloud storage. You have to back up the cloud, all of the cloud. <laughs> well, so so what Kirk said is absolutely right on the mark. You should have your Mac set to download originals. However, what if you have a laptop that doesn't have a whole lot of storage? That then becomes an issue because like in my case, even though I have a MacBook Pro with a terabyte of storage because I take so many photos and I you know do a lot of large file work, I can't store my entire photo library on this. So what I have instead is I have my iCloud backup. Oh, but wait, that is not a backup. I mean, sorry, it is a backup, but do not consider it ever to be your only backup because it's out of your control. Apple could screw up somehow. It's not likely, but they could lose your files. You, your bits are just one of billions. And so what I've done instead is I have an old Mac Mini in my office, and that is my backup. So I have photos set to download originals on that machine. So I'm taking a hit because things are being downloaded and uploaded from more machines on my network at home, but I have fast internet with a, a modest cap. I think I get like a terabyte of, of transfer per month, which can be... You have a cap? I do. I do have a cap, yeah. We don't have caps over Well, see, and, yeah. and actually I ran into that. My MacBook Pro completely puked doing a Mojave upgrade, and so I had to like rebuild a lot of stuff. And that meant, and, and I think this is this will happen too if you like log in and log out of, of photos. Photos wanted to re-upload everything and re-download everything, and it just blew all of my all, all of my data. Um, I think I ended up using like 1.7 terabytes between photos and Lightroom for the month of October, which. Uh, is painful and fortunately my provider they give you sort of like two gimmies like okay make sure you know that that you've gone over and we're not going to charge you this but the next time we're going to charge you like per you know 10 gigabytes or whatever yeah if you do it often then they're going to hit you because they're aiming at people who are doing a lot of downloads yeah yeah so you know keep in mind iCloud is a backup it is not the backup I don't even consider it to be a backup, to be honest, because you never know what can happen. Good, good. There can be just a glitch and somehow it gets erased. Your iCloud account, you can get locked out of your iCloud account and not get back in. Anything can happen. Yes. Just a quick question. I hope you have a hard drive connected to your Mac Mini as well to back up the Mac Mini. In fact, I do. I do. Good. Yeah. I, I'm a belt and suspenders guy when it comes to backups. I back up my backups and I recommend that to everyone. And in particular, you know, I've been doing this for a long time for my music collection. And even though I have CDs that I've ripped, the amount of time it would take to re-rip the CDs is prohibitive. But when you think about photos that you that only that can't be re-ripped, that only exist once, you know, that that photo of your kid the first time they started walking, you will never be able to reshoot that or re-rip it. You're not going to say to the kid, okay, crawl again, now start walking. It just doesn't work like that. 
So you really need to back up your photos twice, three times if necessary. And it may seem like overkill and it's not. Trust us because we have lost data before. And, you know, like I said, just this last this last uh, experience that I had with my MacBook Pro, fortunately, I did not lose a single bit of data because I had many backups. I lost a lot of time, but no data. Yes. Okay. Okay, if you have any more questions about iCloud Photo Library, drop us a line on our website. It's photoactive.co. Drop us a line in our Facebook group. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, we invite all listeners to join it, and you can talk about the show, and you can share photos with us. We know a lot of people don't like Facebook, and someone suggested recently we set up a, a Flickr group. What's Flickr? Is, is that a thing, Flickr? Flickr group, Yes. <laughs> yes. Flickr was okay. a thing, and it could be a thing again now that it's owned by SmugMug. SmugMug, okay. So we're thinking about that, but again, if you have any questions, let us know. Time for our snapshots. Jeff, you got something cool this week? No, I don't have something cool, but I have something essential, like like boring but essential, and that is gaffer tape. Now, gaffer tape is one of those things that you're like, okay, it's tape. What's the big deal? But photographers use them all the time. And I was one of those people who was like, okay, well, you know, how often am I really going to need tape? Now, I use it a lot more like if I'm doing a, a portrait, you know, studio sort of lighting setup. Um, but even so, I mean, having gaffer tape is just it turns out to be something that you use all the time. What's great about gaffer tape is it's it's good it's sticky but it comes off really easily so you can stick it to anything you're not going to be pulling paint off of people's walls what's great is to be able to have like little mini rolls i'll have a, sh a link in the show notes you can get like a little four pack of these small rolls so you're not carrying around you know a giant wad of gaffer tape looking like a grip on a movie exactly 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 you can just have like a couple of these little ones throw it in your camera bag and so when something happens when you know you need to attach something to a tripod um, i've used it to fix part of a camera grip that was starting to get you know slidey loosey it just turns out to be really invaluable and every photographer should have some kirk do you have something interesting or not interesting but essential interesting i'm going to pick a podcast this week a little more than a month ago, we did an episode with Michael Rubin, who has this wonderful collection of photos in San Francisco. And when we were talking with Michael some weeks before that to set up the show, he said that he'd been thinking of doing a podcast. And he has started a podcast. It's called Everyday Photography Every Day. He's currently up to 26 episodes. The podcast is about 15 minutes long each episode. He talks less about gear than even we do. It's more about the idea of shooting photos. This is co-hosted by Suzanne Fritz Hansen, and the way they describe it is that she's an enthusiastic novice who's digging into her iPhone, and he is the expert offering practical and sometimes philosophical guidance. If you liked Michael on our podcast, check this out. I, I really enjoy the approach that they've taken to this, that it's just, you know, here's two people talking about photography, about shooting, about, uh, about light, about black and white, about printing, about one episode, the rule of thirds is BS seriously and other topics of composition. So they're doing the kind of things that we do, but we still talk about gear and apps a little bit. So it's called Everyday Photography Every Day, and there'll be a link in the show notes. It's also, for those who appreciate one of the things that we like about our podcast, it's short. Their their episodes are maybe 15, 20 minutes, and so it gets gets right to the point. I've listened to several, and uh, they are great. Well, this episode has gone way too long, so we better say goodbye. Goodbye. 
Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 5% off any course at Masters of Photography with the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. That's PHOTOACTIVE in one word. Until next week, thanks again for listening.